Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. James 2 and 5. He says, listen, my beloved brethren. Oh, look who he's addressing again. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Wow. Again, James is begging for the ears of believers. Listen, my brethren, he says. You know he's not meaning Jews when he sees brethren, because there's been times before when somebody said brethren and they meant Jewish people. But I know that he means everybody, Jew and Gentile, believers, because he's talking about no partiality. Okay? So he means all believers in Messiah Jesus. No partiality. This, so this word brethren means believers of Jesus, he asks. Listen, I'll, can I say the same thing? If you really truly believe in Jesus, can I ask you to listen to what James is saying? Listen to this. No partiality. He asks questions. He puts his, his points forward as questions. He asks questions to show them how their partial judgment was wrong. First, he talks about how God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. That's big, heirs of the kingdom. Those that Jesus died for are poor, (laughs) okay? Now, this doesn't mean if you got a lot of money in your bank account, you can't be saved. I'm talking poor spiritually. As sinners, none of us, none of us were rich enough to buy our salvation out of the mess that we got ourselves into. When we sinned, we got in a terrible mess, and ain't not one of us had enough spiritual currency to buy our way out. Matthew 5 and 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't James Jesus' brother? Okay, didn't didn't Jesus say this? Now, what I see is James is teaching something that agrees with what his brother said. (laughs) Jesus said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so you can see now how his brother James is agreeing with what Jesus said. To imagine that at one time, there was a time when James was not a believer. He didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah. I mean, think about it. What if your brother said, I'm the Messiah? You'd have a hard time believing that, wouldn't you? Put yourself in James' shoes. But now, after coming to belief, Thank God, James the brother came to believe in Messiah Jesus. He is now furthering Jesus' teachings by agreeing with what Jesus said. I just find that fascinating. (laughs) 
Has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? As I said, all of us are poor because we were all dead in sin before we came to belief in salvation. And so to think that the God of all creation, of the whole entire universe, the king who has exceeding riches would come to save us, would come to save me, the poor and the dead who fell into sin, to remake us new and alive again, that just blows my mind. And it makes me want to say hallelujah to that. Remember, God shows no favoritism. If he judged us like we would judge the rich man and the poor man, we couldn't be saved. Those who walk around like they're the best thing on the planet, like they're really something, and those that think they know it all and have it all, that's not poor in spirit, guys. That's pride. That is pride. And God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so James is trying to rattle everybody's memory here, his audience that he's writing to. He's trying to remind them of times when the rich came and dragged them into court. It says they slander and blaspheme the noble name by which they were called. He's speaking to believers. He's saying, believers, you remember that time when the rich people came and dragged you into court? You remember when that happened? They blasphemed the noble name by which you were called. He's trying to flip the story to where the people who have been through this kind of oppression can think back and remember, oh yeah, yeah, I I know what this feels like. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you were called? Now, what name is this? What name is this that James is talking about? What is this noble name? The name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Those who have, he's writing to believers, my brethren, those who have submitted their lives to Jesus, when they get dragged off into court by these rich people who are trying to oppress them, they are blaspheming the name of Jesus. Wow. Now, anyone who had been through this kind of oppression before would have said, yes, that's so wrong for them to do that to me. That wasn't right for them to drag me off into court like that. They would have felt it. What James is saying is that it is just as wrong for you to dishonor the poor man who comes into the assembly as it was for the rich to drag you believers off into court to dishonor you. He said it's the same thing. The way you treated that poor man that came in, that's exactly the same thing when the rich people dragged you off. And so now I think any believer who was listening to James would have been, oh yeah, I know what it feels like now. James is trying to flip the story to get the believers to think of what it felt like to the poor man who was dishonored. What James is saying is just as wrong for you to dishonor that poor man who came into the assembly as it was for the rich people to drag you off into court and dishonor you. James just painted a really sharp parallel there, didn't he? A really sharp picture. He, he's trying to get the people to see what it feels like to be dishonored like that poor man was, and how easy it is to become just like the ones who instigate this kind of evil. Because we all carry a bias. We all carry a a preference. We all carry a favoritism and how quick we are, even as believers, if we don't think from the Holy Spirit, if we think from our own selfish bias, how fast we fall back into that favoritism, don't we? We do. James readers here would probably, they would have to agree and recognize that insulting the poor in favor of the rich, whether it's done in courts or if it's done in the church, it's wrong. It is sinful wrong. 
God shows no favoritism, we should not either. And while we're on this subject, let me say that this does not only deal with those who are poor, but how about those whose lifestyle, I'm I'm getting into our modern culture here, how about those who are in a lifestyle uh, of a sort that is stereotyped by us as being inferior or wrong? Would you refuse to share the gospel with someone who belongs to a group that you consider to be less than you, to be inferior to you, below you, according to your favoritism? When you look at that person of that stereotype group with favoritism, do you, does it drive you to say, I'm not sharing the gospel with that person because favoritism, you stand off to the side? You ever done that? You ever done something like that? I'll tell you, it's hard to go share the gospel to somebody that you used to consider, or maybe part of your sin nature considers to be repulsive or undesirable to be around. I'll tell you, I've had to swallow down a lot of old prejudices over the last number of years. I have had to do that. Prejudices that my culture taught me to have, because I had to swallow it for the sake of carrying out the gospel. Because I have to be ready to tell anybody, anyone, who would ask or who I have opportunity with. But when you see that person that makes you uncomfortable, or they seem to be that type of person that will have nothing but friction with you, or maybe your thought is, well, they're, they're not my style, or I don't mix with that type, or someone you just simply rather not talk to. If, if you... Listen to all the negative reasons that this world has taught you about them. And if you treat them less than anyone else who is just as entitled to hear the gospel, if you treat them less than that, then you judge that person not with righteous judgment, as Jesus told us to do, but you judge them according to appearance. You judge them with evil thoughts. You know, I I was coming out of a store one time, and there was a homeless man who was off to the side. He was sitting down. He had a, a whiskey bottle, and he, he was not clean. He didn't smell good. He was wearing terrible clothes, and he, was, he had a filthy mouth on him. And the Lord said, share the gospel with that guy. <laughs> and you know what my first initial reaction was? Is I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, come on, be honest. In that privacy of your mind, you think like that because we have a bias. And I said, Lord, I don't want to. He, he looks like he'll probably argue with me. He's drunk. He won't remember anyway. Blah, blah, blah. All these reasons to not do it. I was looking at him according to his appearance, and I was judging him with evil thoughts. I was using favoritism in my faith. You can't do that. And so I shared the gospel with him. And you know what? He listened. And for all I know, he could be saved and in a totally different place now. I don't know. Haven't seen him since. But why, how about you? When you have the opportunity, and it, but it's that kind of person, I, I, I don't want to do it. Because it, it, he, he's one of those people, or she's one of those kinds of people. Are we using favoritism? We shouldn't. We're all judgmental. We have to be. It's called thinking. You have to weigh out decisions daily. You have to do it. But imagine how much wonderful work we can do for the kingdom of God. If everyone would turn their judgment scale around, if we would all switch from selfish evil thoughts to judging according to righteous judgment, as Jesus said. Imagine what we could do if we would do that. When you are prone, prone more likely to dishonor people, 
because of their social status, then you risk blaspheming the name of Jesus. Did you catch that? If your life demonstrates righteous judgment, then when that poor man comes into the assembly, then you won't be one of those who sets him aside to show favoritism to the rich people. I have a pastor friend. It's interesting. My friend, Pastor, uh, pastor Eddie, he is a friend of mine who is a Calvary Chapel pastor. His church at one point went down to zero attendance. <laughs> his wife showed up, and that was it. And he would preach the sermon to his wife like it was 100 people. He would preach to her. And every Sunday, he preached to just her. But finally, one day, a poor man came in. This poor guy showed up, and he preached the word of God to that one poor man as he would have done to a whole full church. There for a while, though, that one poor man that attended, that one poor man carried that pastor along as his congregation. And so you never know who that poor man is. You never know who he is or what God is going to do through him. Because right now, that same church has a lot of people. I went there not long ago and preached, and there's several people. That one poor man carried that pastor as, a congr- with the congr- as his congregation for quite a while. Look at what that one poor guy did. But had we, or had Pastor Eddie, judged him wrongly with favoritism, according to appearance, chances are that church wouldn't be there today. See what happens when we do this wrongly with favoritism. If you show partiality towards him, you commit sin, which is exactly what James tells us next in James 2 and 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. James made his point just point blank clear, didn't he? Love is right. Favoritism is sin. Pretty easy. If you show partiality, you commit sin. And you notice how at the start of verse 8, James gives what I call the if clause. If. What if? The if clause. He said if. Means some people won't. (laughs) He says if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, Uh, You know, what's funny about the if clause here is that as sinners, none of us can really do this. But if you really do fulfill the scripture, I mean, the reason he's saying if is because you can't, you can't fulfill it. He's saying if you could (laughs) see what James is saying, if you could fulfill this. But if you really do fulfill the royal law, according to scripture, you do well. Okay. This is what the if clause is all about. James is stressing that this standard is so high. It's so high for us to be able to to keep it. It's almost like there's no way that that you can keep this. And the reason he wrote this if clause is because if he's anticipating a response from his readers, who at the time knew that the law was written in Leviticus, but it was affirmed by Jesus Christ. Written in Leviticus, affirmed by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, in Matthew 23, I'm sorry, Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's what James is referring to. With all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second, here's what James meant, and the second is like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's heavy. The law hangs on this whole thing. Love in the Lord your God all the way and others as you do yourself. The whole law hangs on that, guys. So what James refers to as the full royal law, according to Scripture, the whole law, all of it, Jesus said that on these two commandments hang all of this law and the prophets. This is why James stressing us the need to have no partiality, because if you show favoritism to one person while dishonoring the other person, then you become convicted by the law. The law then now convicts you as a transgressor of it. it means you sinned. This commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you people out there really love yourself? I mean, I am, ooh, I am all that. Do you look at other people the same way you think of yourself? James is reminding us this law is royal. It's royal. It was decreed by a king. It was decreed by the king of kings. It is a law fit to be decreed by a king, and it is the king of all laws. And the reaction that James is shooting for is for us to become obedient to this law by having a non-biased love for other people. Oh, Ray, there's just some people I just can't love like that. Well, you need to forgive them. Especially if somebody did you wrong and you've got this boiling hatred of anger, you got to forgive them. Get rid of it. Because it's driving, that unforgiveness is driving partiality in you. And then that makes you the transgressor. Not them. Makes you the transgressor. See how important forgiveness is? We need to have an outer display, an outer evidence that we truly belong to Jesus as his people. When you show prejudicial uh, favoritism, preferential love to some people while dishonoring others, you break God's law through disobedience and become a profaner, a blasphemer of Jesus' name, the noble name by which many people are called. You know, it's not good to dishonor a believer that profanes the name of Christ. You know, some people may be thinking, well, I never say GD but they dishonor other believers. That's still profaning the Lord. God shows no favoritism. Let's be reminded of that. But also realize if God did show partiality, if he did, he doesn't. But I'm saying if he did, then God would be guilty of breaking his own law. Because James says, if you do this, you are a transgressor of the law. God shows no favoritism or he'd break his own law. And God can't do that. He can't break his own law. He's the one that wrote it. God cannot be a transgressor because God would be a sinner. God has no sin. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. None. Some people like to blame God as though he's doing bad things. There's no evil in God whatsoever. You want to blame God? Maybe you need to stop and think about yourself, where you are in this. Now, If upon salvation we are forgiven and made sinless, then that means our payment had to be made by a sinless sacrifice. Makes sense, doesn't it? That sinless sacrifice was Jesus Christ, who was sent by our sinless God. And so if you want to walk 
a life of righteousness like Jesus, then we have to get rid of all the biases. You got to get rid of those biases and also get rid of those prejudices that the world is constantly trying to put into us. Think about it. When you turn on the news, what do you see? Oh, yeah, there's issues going on, but what's the real thing you see? What you see is a bunch of people looking at the other guy, judging them with evil thoughts and throwing accusations. That's all I see. That's what you see on the news. People are learning how to be judgmental. The world that says judge not, they're being judgmental with evil thoughts. Because all I hear about is this group, that group, I don't like them, I don't like him, I don't like the president, blah, blah, blah. That's not good judgment, guys. This means Republicans, stop hating and dishonoring the Democrats. This also means Democrats, stop hating and dishonoring the Republicans, if you're believers anyway. Well, I'm a conservative, Ray. I'm a conservative, and and those darn liberals are destroying this country. The liberals are destroying the country. I've heard it the other way around. I've heard people say, well, I'm a, I'm a liberal, and the, and the conservatives are destroying the, you know, the, the Democrats think the Republicans are destroying the country. The Republicans think the Democrats are destroying the country. I'm going to tell you what's really destroying the country, guys. Sin is destroying this country. That's what's doing it. It's not political at all. Never has been, never will be. It's sin is destroying the world. It's a dying world. It's already had, it's taking its toll. It's decaying. It's not savable. Matter of fact, God's going to do away with it. We're going to be taken out of here. (laughs) So sin is destroying the country and the world, whichever side you stand on. Now, I understand there are policies that are evil and, and, and there are some policies that are good. But guess what? Both sides have them. But whichever side you take, I'm not here to talk politics. Whichever side you stand on. Whatever your political or economical or ideological or whatever your theological position is that you cling to, as a believer, you have no right to dishonor anyone while using your favoritism as a justification to make it okay. You don't get that right. It's evil. James said so. Friends, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. You lose the right to tear people down. Well, well, yeah, but they did. No, don't try to justify it. Don't dishonor them. You will become a profaner of the name of Christ, possibly, if not a transgressor of the law. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, when he said that, he did not add a justification backdoor to it. He didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself, unless they don't deserve it, according to your opinion. He didn't say that. He said, don't do it. He said, don't do that. Love them. That's all he said was just love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, your neighbor is a lot of different kinds of people, right? Even the ones that you would rather not associate with, that's your neighbor. We have got to get a hold of exactly what it was that he commanded us to be doing. Love one another, period. That's what he said. Anything less and you become a transgressor of the law. Guilty. Well, Ray, if you understood my background and how I was raised, then you'd understand that any time I see that kind of person over there, no, verse 9 says, if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.